Well, Boudreaux and Thibodeau were best friends. And uh, Thibodeau, he's looking out his window, and he sees Boudreaux over there, man, and he, he says, you know what, I'm going to call the cops on him. So he calls the FBI and the ATF. He gets them on the phone. He says, listen, my, friend, my neighbor, Boudreaux, I'm convinced that he's dealing cocaine. He said, look, I- I'm telling you, I know he's, done it, he's doing it, and I want to report him, and I'm pretty sure he's hiding it in his wood pile. And if not that, his grass is real high all around his house. He's got it buried all out in that high grass. But I'm telling you, you need to find it. You need to go over there, and you need to get it. And so uh, they hang up on the phone, and 30 minutes later, man, helicopters start circling to, uh, Boudreaux's property, and Thibodeau's watching out the window. SUVs pull up all blacked out windows. People get out, guys get out with machine guns and ATF and FBI. And next thing you know, he sees them walking Boudreaux out and setting him against the car, man. And they start going through the grass, and they're cutting all the grass, looking for these drugs, getting all the grass cut down. Then they go to the wood pile, and they start cutting it up and then splitting all the wood and splitting it and climbing. And after like an hour, nothing. And you can see the unloot, like, Boudreaux go, and Boudreaux's just standing there like, what just happened? And then they all fly off and drive off. So Thibodeau calls over to Boudreaux. He said, Boudreaux, he said, you just had the FBI and the ATF at your house? He said, I sure did. He said, Boudreaux, did they go through there looking for drugs and stuff? He said, they did. He said, did they cut your grass? He said, they did cut my grass. Did they chop all your wood? He said, they did chop all my wood. He said, happy birthday. (laughs) Now, that's a friend right there, baby, that sticks closer than a brother. I've titled the message today, The Missing Peace. Turn to the person next to you and say, The Missing Peace. Oh, you can do better than that. Say, The Missing Peace. All right. I have two purposes for this message today. I want you to hear them clearly so you know where we're going, so you know when we get there. Number one, I want to take every member in this church from being a spectator to being a participant. Number two, goal of this message is I don't want you to help, help, help you find some way to contribute to God's movement here in this church. I want you to understand something. We're part of a movement. I don't know if you realize it or not, but God's been doing some supernatural things in our midst. A year and a half ago, we were about 150 people, and now we're almost 800 folks in weekly attendance. This is a movement. We're seeing somewhere between 10 and 15 folks give their lives to Jesus every Sunday, not to mention what's happening in small groups. We baptized almost 200 people already this year, and we're going to do another water baptism here in a couple of weeks. Friend, I want you to understand something. We're seeing marriages come back together. That's a move of God. We're seeing black folk, white folk, Hispanic folk, and Asian folk hugging each other, praying for each other, doing life together. Friend, that's a miracle and a movement of God. We Just even last Sunday evening, just we're seeing so many miracles of healing. We can't even keep up with them. Just last Sunday evening, we had one of our main leaders came in, had been injured, had a hip or a leg, something, couldn't hardly walk. And they said, hey, you, what, before service started, hey, you want us to pray for you? And she was like, yeah, I guess, but I've never had healing and da, 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 da. So they prayed for her and she goes, oh, it's, oh. and she started running around the foyer. And so we were doing the preview, which is if you're new to the church, every night, uh, every Sunday night from 5 to 6 p.m., we want, we want to invite you out. If you're new and you never have, my wife and I just hang out in my office. We've got a kind of little living room setting, my, my wife and I's office. And every Sunday night, we eat cookies and drink coffee and just to get to know anybody that's new. They ask us questions. We hang out. We get to know each other. We laugh and, and just have a good old time. And so we're in there, and they come running in. Pastor, we just got here. She just got healed. And then the new people are like, 
Okay? And, uh, and, and just before they walked in, the gal who was there with us said, you know what, I want you to pray for me by the end of our time together because I've got a torn meniscus that they're going to do surgery on in two weeks. I really don't want surgery, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm new to this kind of healing stuff. And so these guys come running, and I was like, let's pray for her. And so, and so we did, you know, and, and you got to understand, you know, I, I've been in enough environments that I, I kind of, it's like throw up in my mouth when people get pushy and weird. And so we just laid our hands and said, Lord, would you just heal right now? And, and so we finished and, and, and all the guys that were praying were like, how is it? And she's like, uh, okay, I guess. And they were like, well, does it feel better? And she goes, well, I don't know because I only know when I'm playing sports. And they were like, well, get over here and let's do some deep bends. And so we're here talking and she's doing this in my office. And she goes, oh, I'm healed. I'm healed. And it was just, the, this is a move of God that you're a part of. I want you to understand God is doing so many amazing, cool things. And I don't know about you, but I want to be right up in the middle of what God's doing. And you say, you know what, uh, Pastor, we're where are we going to go with this? What's the vision of this church? Well, let me explain something to you. Have you have you seen um, have you seen the McDonald's in Fort Worth? It's it's um, it, it, it's I think it's like four stories tall. It's got a parking garage with three stories. They can put ten thousand people at one time in the building, and there's a hundred cash registers. They can feed ten thousand people at one time. Have you seen that? That's right, because it doesn't exist. Yet McDonald's feeds more people every week than anybody else in the world because they put one on every doggone corner. We're not trying to build big old 10,000 seat buildings. We're trying to get you on every neighborhood having a small group. We want a campus in every city. God, that means we need you. That means God's got to use you. And we didn't build this church on me or my family or a select group of leaders. We're building this church on Jesus Christ and we're going to do just what he did and that was he came and he grabbed just good old common folk like you and me and he started using them to change the world and that's what's going to happen. So you got me all excited about my message. Alright, so if you got your Bibles, our key scripture is Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16. It'll be up on the screen for you. Hebrews 13, 16. Look what it says. And do not forget to do good. Turn to the person next to you and say, do good. Come on, tell them, do not forget to do good. And it goes on and says, and to share with others. Turn to the person on the other side and say, you need to share. You need to share. That's right. You need to tell them, you need to share. And it says, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So let's look at that one more time again on the screen. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is, say it with me, Please, say it one more time, God is pleased. Listen, when you and I do good and make sacrifices for one another, the Bible says he is pleased. But look how the passage gives it to us. It says, do not forget to do good. You say, well, I, I'm always doing good. No, you're not. You and I are always forgetting to do good. You know why I'm forgetting to do good? Because I'm too busy fighting off the bad. And it, says, and, and it says, and don't forget as well to share with others. Do you know why you and I don't always remember to share with others? Because we're trying to keep everything from being stolen from us. And so the scripture is reminding us that really God is pleased when you and I share with one another, when you and I do good with one another, when we get a part of the movement of what God is trying to do, and we get in that thing, and we share, because see, the church is not this building, come on now, I'm going to preach to you till you get it, it's not this building, and it's not this meeting, it's you and me. The movement of God in this church is happening outside of these four walls. We're seeing more living rooms full of power of God, and, and coffee shops, people are getting radically saved, and people 
people are getting delivered. It's amazing what God is doing through you and through us. But can I tell you something? It can't stop right here, which means we need you. We need more and more of us to say, you know what? I'll be used by God. I'll do good. I'll be a part of of, uh, sharing and what I am and what God's brought me through. And I was thinking about this the other day. When God sent Jesus to the planet to transform the planet, to start a movement, a transforming movement, we call it Christianity. When he sent Jesus to do that, Jesus came and went and picked a team. I, I, got, I started thinking about that. Now, why would he do that? Why not just bring all the angels, set up a big temple, and just have everybody come, and the angels are floating around, you know, and doing whatever they're doing, and they're zapping people, and Jesus is, oh, and under his voice, we all fall prostrate, and all of our sins just go flying out, and all the demons come out of us. Why not just do that? Why come to earth and pick a bunch of knotheads to give himself into so that a movement could start? In fact, I want you to think about this for a moment. I don't know if you know what the 12 apostles did as a profession before Jesus called them to come alongside. I mean, let me remind you for a moment, for those of us who don't listen to this. Four of the disciples, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, they were fishermen. But they weren't even just fishermen. They, were, they owned businesses. They were small business owners making a lot of nothing. Come on, small business owners. And working themselves to the bones, which means not only are they out there catching the fish... They got to take care of their boats. They got, and then they got to go work with all the people that they're selling the fish to, who are trying to do them dirty every other day. Come on now. And then they had a bad day fishing, which means they didn't get to eat, which the bills are piling up, and they've got employees. So these guys are fishermen. They're just dudes like us. Come on, there ain't nothing super about them. They're not. They're not. They're. They're, they're not priests. They're not, they're not of the Levitical concept of knowing how to, how to do everything right by God. They're just dudes just trying to make it through life. Look at this next one. How about Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. Do you know what a tax collector was in biblical times? That joker, he don't just work for the IRS, but he's also, he's also a, uh, an accident lawyer. I mean, this is about as shady. Sorry for you, accident. But this is the guy that you don't. You don't want him in your family. Because here's what tax collectors were. They were Jews who worked for the Romans getting taxes from the Jews to give to the Romans. And so the Jews hated them because they were corrupt. In fact, it was a part of their plan to take more than, 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 you, were, than you really had to pay. But if you didn't pay it, they had all the full uh, power of the Roman soldiers to be able to destroy you and put you in jail. And so you had to give it to them. In fact, the tax collectors were considered so wicked and so vile that were you going to pay your tax, and let's say you, you owe uh, $5 and all you had was a 10, you, Jewish people wouldn't even receive the change back for them because they said it's blood money, it's dirty, it's so wicked, well, I don't even want the change that's been in your, in your presence. In fact, they wouldn't even let them, as Jews, Jewish tax collectors, they wouldn't even let them give to the temple a tithe because they said that money is nasty, you're dirty, you're wicked, and you're so vile, we don't want to have any part with you. And then Jesus goes and puts one on his team. That's crazy. Then you got Simon the Zealot. You know what the Zealot, what he was? Was he was a Jewish nationalist. He was the guy out there like Greenpeace starting marches. Heck no, we won't go. I mean, he's that guy. And he's all about Israel, and the Romans are horrible. He's stirring up stuff. He's the guy always in the cameras. And we tell you, right, we're going to destroy it. And, you know, that guy right there. And Jesus then puts him on a team with a tax collector. Somebody say crazy. 
And then the other guys, and I'll kind of uh, tell you all their, their names, uh, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, they, we don't know what they did prior to Jesus calling them for a living, but most scholars believe it was some type of uh, profession where they were tradesmen. They probably were, you know, craftsmen of some sort, probably worked with their hands uh, in that Galilean area. And, and, and then, of course, our last one, of course, as you know, is Judas Iscariot, which we don't know what he did prior to Jesus calling, but it probably had something to do with accounting because Jesus put him in charge of the money of the ministry. And so you've got this bunch of dudes. So God's going to change the world... And he comes and he builds a team of dudes to change the... Why did he do that? Why not just come in all of his glory with all the angels and all the power of heaven and just say... And just whoever gets changed gets it. Why take a bunch of dudes and invest your life in them? And I think I have an answer for you. I wrote it on the screen so you could kind of get it. Because you can't cultivate a continuing movement unless you share it with others who then share it with others. Because you can't keep a movement going until you give it to someone else and then they take it on and they give it to someone else. I think the point of the whole message here today is in this point right here and that is, listen, for this to continue, for God to continue healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils through this church, we need you to step up and be a part. We need you to be on the team. Jesus could have side stepped a whole team concept. He didn't have to go with just normal, everyday, regular dudes, but he did. Why? Because when, when we look in the book of Acts, these dudes now have experienced Jesus. They've experienced the life with him. They've experienced, they were learning things they didn't even know they were learning. They were learning patience. They didn't even know they were learning patience. He was working out of them all that junk just because they were on the team and they didn't even realize. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were full with the Holy Spirit. Now these guys go and change the world and do the same thing. They build teams. And those teams go forth and teams go forth and build more teams until here we are today, some 2,000 years later, as a great work of God. The largest religion in the world at 2.2 million or 2.4 million, whatever I told you a couple weeks ago, called Christianity. There's a couple of thoughts I want you to look at. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want you to understand that every one of us in this church has a part of this movement that God's doing. Every one of us. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. 7, 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Look at verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Ten is our big key piece here. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. It continues on in verse 11, but let's just camp out right there. Each one of us should use whatever gift uh, he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Do you understand what this is saying? That is, listen, so you went through hell back at the last place you came from. And, and, and it made you gun-shy to even get involved in your church here now that you come to church on the hill. Frank, can I explain something to you? Because you went through that, you got something to give us. Because, because listen, I, I was in a place that was controlling and dogmatic, and that's why we're not controlling and dogmatic. I got something to give because I was in that mess, and I ain't going back to that mess. That's why you don't see me push on nobody. That's why you don't see me beg and plead and say you're all going to burn in hell forever. Listen, that's God's business to convict your heart. The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. Mine is just simply to present his truth, and you respond to that, and then I help cultivate a good relationship with you and the Father. That's the whole purpose of my position. But, friend, and each and every one of us 
have a part to play in this thing. And it tells us clearly in this first Peter passage, it says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The church I grew up in, there's a gentleman that, that, uh, by the name of uh, Al Moore. I called him Brother Al. Brother Al was uh, about 6'8". Actually, that's not true, but to me he was because I'm so short. He's about 6'3". He was a tall, just just studly African-American gentleman. And man, when I met him, he was about 25. He was single, but he had finished his degree work and he was a horticulturalist. Sorry, I will never pronounce that right. Haven't done it for 30 years. And, uh, and he, he, uh, he actually worked for the state uh, and, you know, and, and all trees and blah, blah, blah life and grassy stuff. And he decided our church needed his touch because our plants were all stinky, our roses were all ugly. And so he had started just volunteering and he just started cor- fixing all of that stuff and, 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 and making them all look pretty and stuff and whatever you do, you horticulturalist people and, and all. It just was awesome getting all the bugs off. And, man, we became known as the church. When you pulled up, you were like, oh. It was beautiful out front. I mean, just, and that was his, that's what he decided to do. And that's what he gave because that was his experience. And, and I would go out there and hang out with him. He said, Adam, cut that right there. And while I'm cutting, he said, Adam, I want to ask you something. How you doing lust and perversion, son? You're a young single man. Are you, are you being a pervert? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, no, I'm okay. Are you sure? Let me lay hands on you in Jesus' name. <laughs> These things. I mean, Brother Al was the man, dude. And then he got married, and uh, and then she was so sweet. She was the most amazing woman of God. She had she had run track, and so man, her her booty stuck out here because she was fast, dude. When she ran, and so she would race me in the parking lot and beat me every time. It was amazing. And so I just love Brother Al so much. And then and and if you got anywhere close to him, as he was using his gift, stay with me. He was also ministering to you as he was using his gift. Can I tell you what happened? Our church kept growing, kept ministering, kept exploding. Why? Because he kept bringing everybody getting them saved and, and getting them healed and getting them delivered and so it came to a place where he started a small group and this small group turned to six small groups turned to 20 small groups we hired him on staff as a pastor can i tell you something he has his own church now blowing and going why because he faithfully administered that which god had given him and that caused the church the momentum of what god was doing to keep going and keep going and explode on the scene because every part is important every one of you is important to what god's trying to do what he wants to do in this place. But what keeps us from that sometimes? I want you to look at Philippians chapter 2, where Paul is bringing a real encouragement. Verses 1 through 4, we'll probably stop at verse 2, but it says, uh, Is there any encouragement from being in, uh, belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship uh, uh, together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, love one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Look at verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Verse 4. Don't look, not, excuse me, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. He's saying, listen, you can, all, if all you're doing is worrying about, your, about yourself and you never take an interest in others, you're not acting how God wants us to act. In fact, uh, you know, I, the Lord spoke to me when we started this church. He said, Adam, I refuse to let you make this a consumer church. He said, what is that? Well, see, a consumer church is where people go and they just receive and they just receive and they just receive. And then at the end of the day, if they like the kids' ministry and they like the coffee and the worship really was good and they like the atmosphere and the air conditioning was set just right and I preached real good, then they'll give us a tip or a tithe. That's consumer Christianity. And it's what we've appealed to. 
The Lord said, don't raise up a church like that. Raise up some men and women who can fight their way out of a difficulty. Raise up some men and women who give themselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do what the Bible said to them to do, and that is to be one family, one heart, pulling and tugging and caring for one another and strengthening one another and being like Jesus was when he was on this planet. And I said, yes, sir, that's what I'll do. So if you're looking for consumer Christianity, you got the wrong church. We're going to raise you up into great men and women of God who can cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, who can uh, walk on water. Come on, we'll start tomorrow. Anyway, and so look what Paul does. He also, if you further down in that verse, uh, that chapter 2, he says this. He says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send you Timothy. Hey, Philippians, I know you need some help. I'm going to send you Timothy if I can, uh, and that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Verse 20, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your affairs, for everyone looks out for his own interest not those of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, listen, I want to send you, I, I, I got nobody else I can send you to help you. Because everybody else is consumed with their own problems and their own little life. They don't care about the interest of Jesus. But Timothy, this one young fellow, listen, Timothy was probably way too young to be pastoring. But Paul said, I got nobody else. I'm going to send you Timothy. Because he at least cares about you. He is willing to lay aside his own interest and difficulties to care about your interest and difficulties. Friend, when everyone in this church takes on that attitude, I will help with the interest of others. Let me tell you what God does. He then takes care of your interest. That's who he is. That's what he is. Uh, years ago, when I, first, when I first became a pastor at 19, they gave me the junior high and, and said, yeah, you're the junior high pastor. And so they gave me 100 junior high kids, and it met on Sunday mornings, the junior high service, during the two services. I was, five years, I never made it into a Sunday morning service. I was serving the junior high kids. And so when I first started, it was awesome, but I was 19 and 100 junior high kids. And I'm telling you, Pop-Tarts are the devil. Because those suckers were on such a sugar high. And so, and so I was having such problems. So I needed a girl leader at least. So I went to our youth ministry. And I said to all the ladies, all the teenage ladies, I said, listen, I just need some girls to come help me love on these kids. Because I can't minister to the guys and the girls. And I shouldn't be anyway. Because uh, I want to be above reproach as a, as a single young man especially. And so all the girls like, oh, yeah, we'll help you. But only one showed up. She drove 35 minutes from where she lived. It'd be like being in Fort Worth coming to Cedar Hill. She showed up at 7.30 a.m. after a 35-minute drive. So what time did she get up on Sundays? She stayed for two services. She ministered to those young ladies. She cared for those young ladies. She, they, they, they exchanged phone numbers. She would counsel them through the week. She would bring them little, she'd make little cupcakes the night before and bring them. And, 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 and they would all, they just fell in love with this gal. I'm telling you, here she was her senior year in high school. And she was giving herself to the interest of these Junior high kids, because she understood that junior high is the most critical age. If we don't reach them there, we're going to have problems keeping them. And if we reach them there with the truth of the gospel, we'll catch them before they become sexually active. We'll catch them before they become confused with all the false doctrine out there. And so she was giving herself, giving herself. It was so amazing. She would get there early, stay there late. She would weep with them and cry with them. In fact, it impressed me so much that I married that girl, and she's sitting on the front row. Uh, that's a woman. That's your pastor's wife right there, and she hadn't stopped doing it ever since. I want to give you the reasons why you've got to connect to the movement that God's doing in this house and the teams. You'll notice we've got all the teams for the Sunday services. These are the teams that serve to make this situation, what you're sitting in, the environment that you're in, make it happen. Everything from the worship team, the service logistic team, that's what you used to call ushers. They're the people putting all the stuff together around here and making sure you know that you're not uh, you know, eating your boogers or something. I don't know. we got the cafe team. we got all the different, the, the media. You say, man, I sure wish they would get those songs. They don't get the words on the screen soon enough for me. I, I don't even know the song. Well, 
that's because you're the missing link that we need. Because they're trying to run 16 things, and there's only two of them, and they're back there praying, oh God, let somebody join the vision. And, there's, and you're the one in Jesus' name. And so I want to give you five things or so to help you understand why it's the Lord has need for you to connect. Number one, because the Bible tells us to. That should be it enough. Philippians 2, 2, back to what we said, working together with one mind and purpose. Working together with one mind and purpose. Listen, this ain't my church. Pastor, I like your church. Uh Uh-uh, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. This is our church. So if my church, I want this chair right here. No, 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 I got to steward it. Somebody's got to be the quarterback, and that's me. And we got a team of folks that steward it. But this is our church. If it sucks, it's our fault. He said, I just don't like the such and such. Well, get in there and make it better. This is, our, this is ours. This is our movement. What God's doing is amongst us. It's, it's ours. And when you don't take ownership, then all you are is a renter. And I have a whole other message about that another time. Number two, why we need to be connected here and on these teams. Number two, because sowing means reaping. Did you know that? Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Can I say something to you? If, if, listen, if you'll start loving on those kids, you say, Pastor, once a month I can go help in the kids' mission. If you'll start loving on those kids, God will find someone to love on your kids. I promise, if you sow into somebody else's situation, God will always have someone else sow into your situation. You say, you know what, I just, I'm just struggling financially. Friend, can I tell you something? That's why I've learned the power of tithing and giving offerings. As I give my tithes and offerings, things just start happening. Because he says, if you sow it, you will reap it. If you give it, you will receive it. That's his principle. It's like gravity. You can't deny it. It's what he does. It's who he is. And you say, you know what? I just, I just wish we had a little bit better, nicer folks at the door greeting folks. You know what? We don't have anybody at the door who speaks Spanish. And I'm an Espanol. You know, I, we need some people like that. See, friend, let me tell you something. If you will sow that, you will reap that on the other side. God will then cause people to come into your situation and help with your situation. Friend, I have learned that year after year of my life, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. God will not be mocked. He will not be indebted to any of us. He will not say, well, you've done more for me, but I'm God, and so that's okay. No, no, God said, no, no, I will not be indebted to anyone. You give me 10, I'll give you 100, because that's who I am, because I, I am God. I'm daddy. I'm daddy, and I will always take care of my children, and I will always outgive anything you could ever give. That's God's heart and his nature. You and I just have to have a revelation that giving is good instead of holding back and saying, oh, I've got to protect what little bit of time I have. I, can't re- I just need to go and receive. Friend, I'm telling you, if you'll go and give, you will receive. That's his nature. Number three, why we need to be connected. Because unused gifts die. Unused gifts die. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. Some of you have been, God has done so many amazing things in your life. You've got so much to share, so much to give, so much to, you can administer, you can fix it. But if you don't use that, then you lose it. It's just what happens. And if you just sit and become a consumer, and you don't understand why things aren't working. Let, let me tell you something. The more you take in, the, less you, uh, the more you've got to give out. The less you give out and you keep taking in, that's where you get diabetes, friend. That's where, you, that's where the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because all it does is take in uh, good water, but it never lets it flow through it. 
And so it's the Dead Sea because it all comes in, but it stops right there. I have learned whatever God has done in me to give it away. And as I take the roses from the garden of my life and I share them with others in the most darkest, difficult times, if I'll share what's precious to me with others, God comes and he plants new things inside my life. It's amazing. You've got to sow to reap and you've got to be able to use your gifts or you'll lose them. Number four, because no one remembers a spectator. Nobody remembers a spectator. People tell me all the time, Pastor, I, I love your church, man. You're so nice, and people are so nice. You know, the church I came from, they didn't even know I was there. They didn't even know, and I left. Nobody even called me. No one checked on. Frank, can I tell you something? You're going to do the same thing here if you don't get involved. You're going to say the same thing about us in a year from now. Well, I just went, you know, and when I went, I just sat there. I gave my tip and all, but I never, you know, I don't know. I just never. And Frank, can I tell you something? We're going we're gonna to be winning thousands of people to Jesus. We're going to be touching the world. Well, you, do you understand? We, we have planted six churches from this church. Do you understand? We sent, we, sent all, we sent 28 people to plant a church in Tennessee, and then we sent three more couples to go oversee churches. We are sending and moving God's move. And, friend, if you don't get in that, then you'll look up one day and say, well, you know, I just, friend, people, nobody remembers the spectator, but they remember the players. Even if you're the fifth man. I mean, if, if you're a bench warmer, even bench warmers have fans. I got his card. He never played but one game, but I'll tell you, I got his card. <laughs> everybody, everybody who's in the game ends up affecting somebody. But spectators aren't even remembered. Let me prove that point to you in the scripture right here. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it says, And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Verse 59, he said to another one, Jesus said to somebody else, Come follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What are these people's names? Who are these people? We don't know. Because all they oh, they got touched by his ministry. That was so powerful. That was so amazing. I was sitting on that hillside, and you started talking about love your neighbor, and I, oh, I need to do that. And it just, Jesus, he ministered to me so much. And, you know, that was my cousin that you cast the demons out of. And I'm so glad because you don't know they are so messed up. But, oh, it's so good now. And you ministered to me so much. I really, I want to follow you. I mean, I want to do that. But, you know, I got this happening and this happening and this happening and this happening. Uh-huh. Go ahead, spectator. And what's their names? Whereas he takes 12 knotheads. And not only do we know their names, but every one of them, Judas is the exception, every one of them died a sacrificial death preaching the gospel. They were all martyred. And their names go on in history. Why? Because although they weren't the best, and they weren't the smartest, and they weren't the, the most anointed, they said, yes, I'll be on the team. And in that process, God used them. Can I say something to you? If you don't get on the team, I'm going to be forced to have to let somebody else, probably a 14-year-old, end up telling you what to do. Like, I, I went back to kids' ministry, and this 14-year-old told me what to do. Yeah, because they're the only ones who said yes. They're the only ones caring about the problem. And getting involved to make it propel to greatness. 
Can I tell you something? You'll look up, you'll be left behind. No one remembers the spectator. We only remember the participants. And you'll look up one day and go, I went to that church for a year. I gave them, I tithed about, about $50 within those three years. It was amazing. Can't believe it. no one even called me. I got cancer. Nobody even called me. That's because you never participated. You never got a part of what God was doing. And then you're mad at us because we're running to keep up with all that God's doing. And like, well, if you'd come help, we'd be in this thing together. Isn't that good? Say yes. I'm telling you, that might have been a mild rebuke, but you know I love you. Last and final, why you've got to be a part of what God's doing and connected here, it's because you are the missing piece. Now, I had to. I grew up as a kid with Legos. Anybody got Legos in their background? Come on, somebody. And so we're going to pass out. Everybody gets one Lego today. I'll tell you what to do with it here in a minute. And so take the bag, grab one quickly and pass it. Don't, don't dig for your favorite one. Just get the one on top. Just go ahead. What I love about Legos is that every piece connects. Did you ever know that? It make, made me mad when my Legos did not connect with my Lincoln Logs. Remember that? It was like, ugh, I got Lincoln Logs and Legos, but they don't connect to each other. But when, what I love about Legos is that you can take them and you can just, you can just build, man. You can dream. You got to understand, as an only child, many times I was left in my bedroom to figure out what to do with my life. Come on, latchkey kid 101 right here. I can tell you all about it. And so, 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 you know, we always, Jamie and I always say this, as only children, put me in a room with a piece of string and I'll find something to do. You know, I never had brothers and sisters to play with. And so, and so you know, I, 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 could, I could take a group, of, I could take some Lego blocks. And I'm sorry I'm using the, uh, the toddler version, but I want you to be able to see them. And not only that, but I didn't want to give you the little small ones because I know how you are. You remember what you would do with the little small ones? You put it in your mouth just like you did when you were a toddler. And I don't want you gagging in the middle of my service, suing church on the hill, because it wasn't childproof. And so, so I gave you the big ones. If you can fit those in your mouth, we're just going to go ahead and sign you up for coffee tasting or something. And so, and so, and so you know, I would sit for hours, and I would just build. And, and as little boys, you know what all the little boys built, right? Everything we built ended up at the end of it either being a spaceship or a truck, or a car, or a motorcycle. And then what would we do once we had it all built real nice? We'd ram it into the wall and see how many times it would bust in pieces, right? And all the ladies, what y'all built was little princess castles and stuff. And you, you would have the horse come pick you up with the white knight, and he would kiss you, and he would say, I've been waiting for you my whole life. And then you put your baby doll in it, and baby dolls don't go with Legos. I don't know what you were doing. You're so wrong. And so... You know, I would sit and I would build for hours, man. And I, I, look, I would dream of being like, like you know, uh, I would be like, I would build like the, I would build like a castle for myself that I was going to live in one day. And I would dream up what it would be. And you know how your kids, even those, you kids these days, it's so sad because they tell you what to build on the box. They just give you like, this is what you're supposed to build. And you're sitting there trying to figure out the instructions on how to build the, you know, the, the knight in shining armor Lego guy. But the day of my era... It was a free reign, a dream. Whatever you could come up with. And this would have been my laser gun. And I would go shrinking you so that you weren't taller than me anymore. And, I, and, I would, and you know what you kids do? They would build it, and then what would they do? They would come to you and they would say, Mom, look what I built. Come on, you kids did that too. And you're like, oh... Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, can you see it? Do you know what it is? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. No, what is it? 
what? What? This is a flying saucer. It's a flying kingdom saucer that just kind of the king, kingdom. Oh, that's right, Johnny. Very good. That's awesome. You want to keep it? And you're like, no, I don't want to keep it. No, because you might need to make something else next week that's even better. Come on, we got parenting one-on-one down right there. But the beauty of all these pieces is as you were building, and I'd get something in my mind, and then all of a sudden I'd realize, I don't have any more wheels left. I'm out of wheels. And so I dig down through my, and I'm looking for the wheel, looking for the piece, or I look for that one piece that was going to be my piece at the top of it, and I couldn't find it. And then I found it, I was like, ah, the piece. Found the piece. You're the missing pieces for what we need. And it, it's okay as it is now, but, um, but you're the piece that will connect it all for us. He said, oh, pastor, I don't really have much to get friends from. You're the piece. And you don't understand how much the folks in the cafe are praying, oh, God, let someone who knows how to be nice come and help us hand off coffee. Because I just want to remind you, you're not nice till you get your coffee. So that interaction, before you take a few sips... We need miracle workers in the coffee shop. I mean, we really do. And, and you say, you know, you know uh, we, just, we just need the worship music to sound. We need the audio to sound a little bit better. We have been praying for you, missing piece. In fact, I love Lego so much that I thought, can I sidetrack for just a moment? And I want to just show you uh, Tim Hawkins talking about Legos. I think it's the funniest clip ever. And it's just, I have to because it's me, all right? Tim Hawkins, Legos. Kids in your house, little bitty kids, you got to watch out for their toys laying all over the floor, don't you? You know what I'm saying? It's like a war zone at midnight. You ever get up for a drink or something? You got to watch it with little kids' toys. Ladies, I'm going to give you childbirth as the number one most painful thing a human can endure. You win. I'm going to give a close second to stepping barefoot on a Lego. (laughs) Holy speaking lonely. Pick your heel on a Lego at midnight. You're walking through the... a box jellyfish in the hallway it's true I think when our kids are alone quiet in the room I think they're just sharpening Legos this one's gonna cripple them for a month I think we should fight the terrorists with Legos I really do they're not wearing shoes anyway Find a bunch of caves, throw a bunch of Legos out. They're gonna come out. Just wait. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's a worth million right there, right? You can go home and say church was awesome. And you're gonna go Google everything that man's ever done. He is funny. Uh, you know, but to kind of seal this up and kind of cl- bring it to a close, you know, we can build everything we want to build. But if you're not a part of it with us, then there's that missing piece. And, um, and it'll be a good, we'll be a good church and God will do great things. But I don't want him to do it in spite of you. I want him to do it with you. And we need you. You're the missing piece for us. He said, well, you know, Pastor, I, I'm so busy. I know. I'm, I, I, listen, I know. I've got folks in this church that, you know, they small businesses and they're doing it all themselves and three or four kids and trying to keep it all together and but you know once or twice a month I don't want you to be forgotten I don't want you to get lost in a crowd as we grow as God keeps and I, I don't want to 
I don't want to have to put a 13-year-old over you telling you what to do because they were the only ones who said yes. At the same time, our young people are on fire for God. And we're not going to hold them back. We're going to turn them loose to do what God's called them to do as well. And if they have to be young Timothys because there's no older Timothy stepping up, then that's what it'll be. But I want you to know God's going to move through this church. And he, He's not going to stop what we're experiencing now. You better get ready. I'm telling you, this time next year, we'll probably be 1,200 people. We're not going to build, build bigger buildings. We're going to send folks like you to go do what we do here at another campus. We're going to put a small group in every neighborhood we can get in. We're going to, we're going to need more sound folks. We're going to need more celebration service folks. I mean, we, we, we need some help. We need, we, need to, we need to learn. We need to grow together so we can do it the way God wants it done, not like the way you came from. And so it's important that we have you step in with us, connect, it'll bring fulfillment to you. It'll give an outlet for your gift. It'll strengthen you relationally. So just come in every now and then on a Sunday. So you get that call and say, hey, are, 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 are you still gonna, you're gonna make it this Sunday, right? Because we're gonna need you to help do the usher stuff for us. Oh, yeah, 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 that, that's, that's Sunday. I had one of my most amazing people in our church tell me a couple months ago, and I think I mentioned this to you guys. She said, you know, Pastor, I've been through a lot of mess, and I was in a situation, but I came to the church, and I went ahead and I signed up to, you know, be a, on the welcome team. And I got into this mess, and I didn't want to go to church anymore. I didn't want to talk to God anymore. But they kept calling and said, hey, are you okay? We're just praying for you. Notice that you hadn't showed up for your shift she said they didn't badger me they didn't make me feel bad but they just loved on me she said oh I'll be there this Sunday I guess and she said I did that for about a month or two and somewhere in the midst of just being in the body being a part of the movement that God was doing I didn't have a big part to play but the part that I did have to play something ignited in me all the mess of life just didn't seem to matter nearly as much and she goes I want you to know God is moving in my life. She connected it back to being on one of these teams. I thought that was interesting. What she really was saying was I got connected with people who love me and we did something together that made other people's lives a little better. We used our gifts and wasn't much. It's not like I can raise the dead yet or I pray for people to get healed yet. I'm leading a small group yet, but, but my little part, I think it made a difference. Friend, it does make a difference. Day as we go to close, I want you just to bow your heads right where you're at. Close your eyes. And I want to just pray over you today. If you're away from God in this place, you're not a Christian. Listen, I want you to know He loves you. And I would never in a million years tell you that your solution is to join the church. Friend, that's not your solution. If you're away from God, your, your solution is to get right with God. Your solution is to to repent you say what does that mean that just means to say Lord forgive me I want to be in relationship with you right where you sit with your head bowed and your eye closed if you're away from God you want to come back you want me to pray with you I will I won't embarrass you I won't humiliate you but I'd like to pray with you so with every head bowed and every eye closed you say pastor I'm away from God I need I need I need God to help me I need to come back to him I want to be right with Jesus the Bible says all you have to do is confess with your mouth Believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You say, well, how can that be? Don't I have to do this and do that? No, 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 friend, you don't understand. He 
he did it all on the cross. All you have to do is accept that. Oh, and when you do, this Holy Spirit will come and abide inside of you. And then it'll start changing. Sanctification will start happening. You won't want those drugs anymore. That marijuana won't smell so good in your nostrils anymore because you got the Spirit of the Lord living inside. You, you, you won't care so much about going to the clubs anymore because you find peace and joy in the Holy Spirit that's living and abiding in you. And He starts adding to your life, building, building. It's like these Legos. Until one day you look up and you go, wow, I'm, never, I'm nowhere, not even close to what I used to be. Friend, if that's the desire of your heart, you're ready to come back to the Lord or make Him the Lord of your life. With no one looking around, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I won't embarrass you. Just be honest. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? God bless you. Who else? Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? Man, just slip it up. Put it back. Thank you, buddy. God bless you, man of God. Thank you, sir. I saw it. You can put it back down. Thank you, sister. God bless you, sweet love. Some precious, amazing people. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I don't want to leave here today without making my life right with the Lord. I'll give you a couple more seconds. Three, two, one. Amen. Now, those of you that lifted your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just a prayer of connection. Teaching you how to connect with Jesus is real easy. Him abiding in you, that's even even more powerful. And so I'm going to lead you in that prayer. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the congregation to pray it out loud. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you sense God right now. That's Him. Your prayer, giving Him your life, is just like, like an exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. That's all it is. It's a sealing of the deal. God's been working on you for weeks. Come on. You didn't come to church not knowing that you didn't need God. You showed up here going, man, I need God, but I don't know. Now you sense his forgiveness. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody out loud. Jesus, today I surrender my life. I declare I need you, Jesus. I ask you to cleanse me. Wash me. From all the sin, here and now, I hand over my entire life. And I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. For I am yours all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, let peace come over every one of these men and women of God. Right now, let joy and the truth that they are forgiven. That it's over. And that although they may not sense it right this moment, something has started. Transformation has started. Like a seed in the ground that's been germinated and starting to break loose. And then the stalk comes busting through the ground a little bit at a time until one day it's a giant tree with fruit on its branches. Oh God, let the truth of your love be evident to every man and woman who lifted their hand. And have made you the Lord of their lives right now. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me all across the room? As you, as you stand with me, I want you to take your piece that you got. Go ahead and put it in your hand. Your little piece. Your little Lego piece. And I want to ask you something. Would you help us? Would you take your piece? it to what God's doing, to the overall picture. Would you, would you say, look, you know, I can't give a lot. You know, maybe every couple months I could, I could be on the welcome team. Friend, that is so precious to us. We need you so much. You say, well, you know, I, I, I still have a problem cussing. Friend, let me tell you something. People walking in the door have problems cussing. 
We need you. They said, well, you know, I, I just don't have it all together. Let me tell you something. When you connect to the overall body, we all get it together. We become one. God begins to minister through us and to us. So what I want you to do today as we go to close, here's your assignment. All across this room are the teams that serve the Sunday services. They will make all of this happen. And, and quite frankly, they're tired. A lot of them are they're exhausted because they have all these missing pieces. And they're believing God. They've been praying. Some of them fasting. Not the worship team. They brought candy just to attract you. Uh, but they've been asking God, God, we need a person for this. We need a person for this shift, for this moment. Friend, I'm asking you, come connect with us. You're our missing piece. We need you. And I want you to, you say, well, I, you know, I can't do a whole lot. You know, my last church, they burned me out. They made me do everything. I understand that, and I'm not asking for that. I'm asking you to give what you can. And what I'm going to have you do is a sign of that. So I want you, here in a second, we're going to change the music. It's going to go from elevator music to rock and cool music. It was beautiful, though. going to change from that to cool sounding music and then kind of a celebration and I want you to go to each of these tables you say well some of those look more exciting than others that's right because they uh, they they have a little more fuller team maybe or they're more desperate I don't know you can tell the ones that need your help <laughs> so like there's nothing a piece of paper <laughs> I know that's, I barely got that here <laughs> and so I want you to just go over those tables and, and talk to them and see what they do and see maybe it's a part you know we've got the service logistic teams we, we need some Old school ushers, that's what that is. The cafe team. We need folks in the hallway being nice. We need folks helping us with little Johnny because little Johnny still is not doing well. Um, we got we got media folks. we got big needs in media, lighting and sound and all those pieces. Big needs in that. Of course, our kids' ministry would say that um, they need you. There you go. So here's what I want you to do. Here, take, take, take your block. Take your uh, Lego. Hold on, Sumo. Uh, take, your le- take your Lego, and when you find it, hey, I think this is where I need to give some attention. I think I can help you. Then I want you to say, I'm giving you my Lego. Write my name on your list because I'm going to be on your team. And just, you say, well, you know, I, make, can't, I can't commit to a whole lot. Just bring him your Lego. For those of you guys that say, I can't believe I, I came here today and they're talking about this. We should have went to Catholic Church, baby. They wouldn't have asked for all this. Then you just go ahead, and as you leave, just put your Lego on one of the tables, in the, and, and then we'll, we'll pick it up and give it to somebody who uh, will take your place because you were unavailable. Just saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So with that being said, lift a hand one more time. Lord, I bless your people. Lord, I thank you for the movement that we're a part of. We don't want it to stop. Lord, we have need for every one of these men and women to get in push the forward forward moving presence of God into the generation that's lost and dying from neighborhood to neighborhood Lord God from campus to campus Lord God so that your glory can be shown forth and no one will be they'll be without excuse on that day and we'll make it hard to go to hell from Cedar Hill Duncanville DeSoto Arlington Grand Prairie all over this metroplex for your people will carry your anointing and change lives in Jesus name amen God bless you guys go check out the tables bring them your peace Figure out which one you want to leave it and say, I'm on your team.